Hi there and welcome. My name is Dr. Lara Greenfield of laragreenfield.com and you're listening to Let's Talk Facilitation, where I offer practical solutions to everyday challenges in the college classroom. Specifically, I help introverted college educators develop unstoppable courage and transformative class facilitation skills in order to engage students equitably and advance social justice powerfully. Today, I'm talking about how to engage students who are resistant to critical pedagogy. I'm going to share with you four powerful strategies you can use in discussions with students who don't want to change the world like you do. I chose this topic today because I know one of the biggest sticking points for educators who want to change the world through their teaching is that often we come up against students who want no part in such a process. Sometimes their politics are at odds with our own, Or sometimes they just want to earn their grade and get out of there, and they're not interested in anything else. One brilliant facilitator I know, for example, after accepting a position at a new institution, described stepping into classrooms with an increasing number of non-traditional age students and noticing that more of those students have been socialized into the banking method of teaching, and they find it challenging to engage with a professor who practices Paulo Freire's problem-posing pedagogy. Now, if you aren't familiar with the banking method or problem-posing pedagogy or Paulo Freire or even critical pedagogy, don't worry, I'm gonna catch you up to speed. But the takeaway here is that many students do not share our same commitments to social justice, or at least have not yet developed a critical understanding of how injustice operates and why a commitment to social justice is in all of our best interests. And when those conflicting visions come to a head in our classrooms, it can be challenging to figure out how as facilitators to proceed. I can certainly relate. I've had the opportunity to teach at a number of very different institutions, ranging from extremely conservative to comparably much more politically progressive. And the nature of the navigations I've had to make in classrooms across each of them have also been very different. I remember coming home the first day after teaching a class at my new job at a politically progressive school and telling everyone I could find how blown away I was that the students there demonstrated more critical awareness on day one than the students at my previous institution had demonstrated by the end of the semester. Switching from a school where a student had called one of my assignments bullshit to a school where students already seemed to know what I was intending to take the entire semester to teach them was a meaningful exercise for me to go deeper in examining exactly what critical pedagogy means and how it can be engaged. I have spent my career studying and honing my own critical pedagogy, and I want to share with you how to do the same so you don't feel overwhelmed and stuck, particularly when facing resistant students. 
Before I dive into the four strategies I'm going to offer you, I first want to briefly touch base on some key concepts so that listeners who aren't familiar with critical pedagogy can be caught up to speed, and listeners who are already familiar can see where our interpretations align and where we might have some differences. So critical pedagogy is an approach to teaching that assumes that education is inherently political and that the purpose of education is therefore to create a more just and peaceful world. The key objectives in critical pedagogy are to work with students to develop a critical awareness or a critical consciousness that first, oppression isn't natural, Second, that oppressive systems can be changed. And third, that students can be change agents. The methods used in critical pedagogy are not one size fits all. Rather, they're very much dependent on context. However, there are some themes that run across most methods that people devise. One is that students aren't empty vessels into which the teacher deposits their knowledge. And this is the banking method I referred to earlier, where students are these empty bank accounts and the teachers deposit um, their money or their knowledge into them. So that model is rejected. Uh, The second is the assumption that students and teachers are co-learners working together for change. So critical pedagogy disrupts the traditional hierarchy where the teacher knows all and the students know nothing, that students and teachers both bring knowledge and both bring room to grow to the table and they collaborate together to learn. And finally, another theme of critical pedagogy is problem posing. In other words, it's an approach where you take what is presented to us as natural or as a given and questioning it. So it's asking, but why questions to uncover the human agenda behind unjust systems. Now, if you're interested in learning more about critical pedagogy, I'd recommend a couple sources. One would be reading anything by Brazilian educator Paulo Freire, who is often credited with founding critical pedagogy. He is a prolific writer, so if there is one text to read, I would start with Pedagogy of the Oppressed. The second recommendation I would offer would be to read anything by American educator Bell Hooks. She has expanded and deepened critical pedagogy in the U.S. context, particularly through a Black feminist lens. If you're struggling to decide which of her texts to begin with, you might start with her book, Teaching to Transgress. Now, critical pedagogy isn't limited to any one single subject. It continues to be adapted across disciplines from critical math to Augusto Bowles' Theater of the Oppressed. So if you're anything like me, you think this is some pretty good stuff. But what do we do when we want to bring a critical approach to our class facilitation, but the students are just not there for it? So here are my go-to strategies for engaging with students who don't want to change the world like we do. Strategy number one is to be patient and generous. Asking students to develop critical consciousness is not just an intellectual exercise. 
It is asking them to give up not only a worldview, but an old identity. For some, it involves extricating internalized oppression, turning away from messages they may have received from their family, models they've observed among loved ones and authority figures they've been taught to respect, and ways of being in the world that they have cultivated in the hopes that it would help them survive and progress. For others, it involves seeing their internalized dominance for what it really is, coming to terms with the reality that all of their advantages were not necessarily earned, and that what they assumed was natural and normal and universal is actually specific to them, and that who they understood themselves to be in relationship to the rest of the world may in fact be a lie. That also often means rejecting family lessons, previous school messages, and ways of growing into an adult. It's important to make space for the profoundly personal and difficult process that can be. My grad school professor, Marshall Alcorn, wrote an incredible book called Changing the Subject in English Class. And one of the most valuable takeaways from that book that has stayed with me across my career is that when students develop this critical consciousness and give up their old identities in the process, it is like a death of sorts, and students can therefore undergo a mourning process. So for me, one of the ways I try to remain patient and generous with students who are resistant to the critical approaches I invite them to engage with is to remember that they may be experiencing actual grief by engaging in this work. And grief is in fact a process which involves shock, denial, bargaining, guilt, anger, depression, acceptance, and hope, and often not in such a clear linear order. So I encourage you to observe your students' comments, emotions, and behaviors, and see what happens if you interpret them through the lens of grief. How would you respond to a person grieving a loss or a death? And begin there. My second go-to strategy for engaging with students who are resistant to critical pedagogy is to focus on planting seeds rather than expecting an immediate and comprehensive transformation in one class meeting or even one semester. The kind of transformative change in both thinking and activity compelled by critical pedagogy takes a long time a lifetime even, to develop. So don't measure success by whether the students have reached some kind of objective end goal, but by whether there is simply movement, a shift in awareness, an orientation towards questioning, or even, at the very least, an exposure to a new way of thinking they may never have encountered before. I taught an intermediate composition course in graduate school focused around the theme of audience. It was a wonderful small seminar where the students explored all sorts of interesting questions about communication and relationship and society and power. While they represented a range of opinions and views, most were open to engaging in the problem-posing questions that I posed. One student, however, was quite vocally resistant. 
He was a young white male who was oblivious to the discomfort he caused his classmates with his xenophobic comments and the lack of insight he revealed about his own social identity. Try as I might, I could not get through to him. It was so frustrating, and it challenged my ability to maintain hope in the promise of this pedagogy if the students who really needed it simply refused to engage. Rather than going out of my way to impose my opinions on him or demand some kind of performance from him, I patiently carried on with my problem posing with him and the rest of the class. But then, one day, towards the end of the semester, something clicked. He made some kind of disparaging comment about immigrants and their language in his hometown, to which I simply inquired about his own family history and when his ancestors had immigrated to the U.S. and what their experience with language might have been. As he responded, he began to slow down, and his eyebrows raised, and he paused and said something to the effect of, Oh, wow, that's the same thing. I never thought of it that way. And he sat in a sort of incredulous yet excited silence and stopped pursuing the racist argument he had made before. I still think about that student all these years later and wonder whatever became of him in his thinking. Is he now a courageous advocate for social justice? Probably not, but who knows? A lot can happen across several decades, and I'd like to think the seed I planted, his realization that he had never thought of something that way before, took root and influenced his growth beyond my class. My third go-to strategy for engaging with students who are resistant to critical pedagogy is to ask questions rather than lecturing them on answers. In other words, rather than giving them the argument or telling them what they need to believe about the history or trying to convince them of anything, really, simply engage the course material and respond to their comments in class discussion with inquiry. Problem-posing questions or but-why questions are those that challenge what students take for granted and compel them to uncover the human actions and motivations behind the phenomena in question. It is often a multi-layered process, meaning once you get an answer to the but-why, you can then ask but-why to that in order to dig deeper. You can think of it as the college version of the three-year-old who repeatedly asks, why, 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 until you have exhausted all reasons. Some examples of problem-posing questions might be, how do you know? Who created that phenomena? Who benefits from that phenomena? Who is disadvantaged by that phenomena? What are the consequences of believing it can't be changed? Who benefits when people believe it can't be changed? is disadvantaged when people believe it can't be changed. So here we're going to engage in inquiry, not argument, with resistant students. My fourth go-to strategy for engaging with students who are resistant to critical pedagogy is to use the observation itself that students are resistant to ask a problem-posing question. In other words, ask the students to examine why is there so much resistance in this class to a problem-posing approach? So you might ask, but why don't they want to explore these questions? Who benefits when they don't engage these questions? Who is disadvantaged when they don't engage these questions? 
What are the consequences of avoiding these questions? Why? So these are questions you pose directly to the students. Engaging this explicitly is a way to both introduce critical pedagogy in a way that is most directly relevant and meaningful to those particular students in that particular context, and also helps you to problem solve through dialogue rather than struggling to impose a method on students who just aren't ready. Remember, if everyone were enthusiastically open to critical pedagogy, there wouldn't be a need for it. So when you come up against resistance, rather than feeling worried or defeated, remind yourself that this is in fact the crux of the work. It is in the tension, the negotiation, the dialogue where change has the potential to emerge. Remember also that critical pedagogy assumes teachers are co-learners with students. So remain curious and open to what your students might teach you rather than doubling down on what you think you know. If you'd like more ideas about how to formulate specific critical questions to prompt discussion in your class, I put together a free PDF for you, which includes a list of sample problem posing questions with examples of how those questions could be adapted to address different topics. So head over to laragreenfield.com forward slash questions to grab your copy of the PDF titled Sample Problem Posing Questions and grow your toolkit for transformative facilitating. Thanks so much for listening in today and until next time, happy teaching.